Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. It's been quite a week. First things first, good morning, Christ Community Church. Hey, very good. All right, yeah. Um, I got a lot of things to talk about real quick, and then we'll jump into the sermon. If you've never been here before, we'll be out of here by 11.45 or so. Don't worry. Uh, I won't go on too long. And so... And what we typically do here at Christ Community Church is we go through the Bible verse by verse. This morning we're just covering one because we're going through the Ten Commandments. And even though the Ten Commandments no longer directly apply to Christians because we're under a new covenant found in the New Testament, it still says a lot about who God is and who we are. And so that's why it's still there. It's why God preserved it. And so we'll be talking about that in a minute. And it's going to be a little tough to talk about this in Exodus 20. 14, when we talk about, you know, adultery and all the stuff and lust and all that kind of stuff that goes with it. I won't lie to you, but before we get there, I have to share a couple things with you. Um, first of all, been a tough week in the sense that um, we lost our brother Phil Medock this week. He, um, you know, has had a long battle. And so I, I got to tell you guys, be praying for the family. Uh, we had the uh, memorial service uh, Friday night. We had the graveside service yesterday. Every week when you come in, you know, Bob or Patrick or Eddie or somebody will hand you one of these bulletins. Please take them and take them home. And the reason you need to take them home is there's a prayer list on there. And what we really encourage you to do is take that prayer list, and it will take you literally two minutes a day to look at that prayer list and pray for the people on there. Just say a prayer for them. Can we, can we agree on that? Can we do that? Huh? Can we agree on that? Can we do that? There we go. All right. That's the response I was waiting for. The other thing is this. You've probably seen this. Uh, my wife's ministry is on the cover of the Christian Standard. We got a few copies this week. Uh, a lot of them are gone, but we should have a couple if you want to grab those and, and look at that. I've already had, um, since these have been out, several people come up and ask me, do you mind being known as Megan's husband? Um, the answer to that is I, I tell people, um, yes until uh, this thing goes like a million followers and she actually makes money off of it because I will take a sugar mama. I will, I'm, I'm happy to have that. I'm, I'm a full-time minister now, not an attorney anymore, which means I live in poverty. So heck yeah, I will take that if she will, you know, if that thing will take off, I'm, I'm good with it. Um, the other thing is, you know, there's kind of good news, bad news. You know, the bad news, we lost Phil, even though we know he's with the Lord. Here's amazing news. A lot of you have been on the Facebook group, our prayer group, closed group, where we ask for prayers. And I know a lot of you have been praying for Daryl Lewis. Daryl's a great guy, been here at church for years, nice fella, was diagnosed with stage 4 liver cancer. Then he had a nasty infection, and that infection really kept them from being able to track what was going on in the liver because there's a lot of fluid buildup. Finally, that's kind of been reduced. And your guys' prayers, this week he was told there is no trace of cancer they can find at all. <laughs> Don't tell me prayer doesn't work, right? Which brings me back to that bulletin. Keep praying because we got a lot of people we're praying for. All right, let's jump into this. Um, 
we're in the Ten Commandments. Let's look at Exodus 20, 14. And I kind of joke that I could just read this line and say, don't do it, and we could go home, um, because it's, it seems pretty straightforward. Exodus 20, 14, in the Ten Commandments says, you shall not commit adultery. Okay, now what does that mean? What does it mean to say you should not commit adultery? Here, here's what we have to do. First of all, we've got to go with marriage. Um, marriage, as God designed it, and God designed it, it was not a human invention. God designed marriage. If you go to Genesis 2, you will see how he defines marriage, that a man and woman will become one. And, and, and the ingredients of marriage is this. It's a man. It's a woman. They both believe in God. And they take a covenant. And a covenant is not just a contract. A contract is something you sign where he said, if you don't keep your word, you know, you may have to pay cash out or whatever. In a covenant, you swear to God that this is what's going to happen. And so you have two people come together. And a marriage, as the Bible defines it, are two people who are Christians who come together and swear to God that they will be, first of all, loyal to God, and second of all, loyal to each other. And so that's how God designed marriage to be. I know that's not popular today. I know that's not the way the culture speaks. But here's the deal. God could care less what the culture says about marriage. We don't get to tell the creator, the all-knowing, all-powerful creator, how things should roll. Now, before I get into this, I know this is going to make some of you uncomfortable because we're dealing with issues of lust and infidelity and divorce and so forth, and many of you have been through that. I've been through a divorce. I understand, but here is the deal. Before I jump into this, the biblical ideal, you need to know this. The only unforgivable sin in Scripture is denying the grace of God. That's it. There is only one unforgivable sin, and that is God offers you salvation and you refuse it. That is the only unforgivable sin. So if you've been through that, and you turn to God, and you basically apologize and say, I screwed up, no matter how little or how much, and you ask for forgiveness, you get it. So this is, this is not judgment coming down on you. This is for people who are married, going to get married, whatever, to help them kind of help their marriage or help their kids with when they get married and so forth. That's where this sermon is going. I'm not going to do the whole fire and brimstone thing up here, and, and I'm just not going to do that. That being said, here's what you need to understand. The Greek word that Jesus uses for adultery and the Hebrew word found in the Old Testament means this. Any sexual activity outside of marriage. Any sexual activity outside of marriage. Now, the reason that makes a lot of people uncomfortable when you start pushing it is that that includes pornography. Now, I understand that a lot of people don't consider pornography adultery. But God does. If you engage in pornography, essentially what you're doing, since most of it is consumed online, I guess, you are creating a kind of virtual harem. And if you don't believe that's cheating, ask your spouse how they feel about it. My guess is, in most instances, they're not going to like it. And you need to understand this. See, there's this idea that God in the Old Testament is short-tempered and mean, and then by the time we get to the New Testament, God kind of mellows out. 
That's not true. That's simply not true. If you read through Scripture, there is both grace and judgment in the Old Testament. Then you get to the New Testament, and grace and judgment is actually ratcheted up. There's more judgment, but there's more grace. So Jesus, when he's commenting on this, says that adultery is not just sexual activity outside of marriage. Jesus says adultery is lusting after anyone other than your spouse. I remember being a brand new Christian at 25 and reading that and thinking, uh, how's that going to work? Especially in the culture that we live in. Do you know why in Muslim countries women cover themselves from head to toe? Because they recognize that men naturally lust. And that's why they do it. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not prescribing that for this. I've gotten all kinds of trouble online for saying things. I get in trouble online all the time. Um, but you can, get, you can get somebody mad on Twitter or Facebook just saying good morning. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it, somebody will argue with you. And I was watching the Oscars because I'm a movie buff and I watch the Oscars. And so I was watching the Oscars with my wife and they were pushing the Me Too, hashtag Me Too thing. And I commented that I thought they were sending mixed messages when a woman gets up and talks about Me Too and she's got her cleavage front and center and she's bare midriff and all that. I said, you know, that's kind of sending mixed messages. And all kinds of women got mad at me. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not saying you can't dress how you want. I'm just saying that it's kind of weird to dress like you're, you know, uh, going to a job interview at Hooters and then talk about don't sexualize me. That's a little strange. And so how do you deal with this? And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. Hopefully here in the next few minutes, help you deal with it. But I'll be honest with you, there's no easy answer here. There just isn't. Okay. Here's the problem we got. When I started to dig into this this week, I had to tell my wife, because here's something you need to do with your spouse. My wife has access to everything I do online, right? She has access to my phone. She has access to my laptop, all that kind of stuff. She can check. She can see anything that I'm, I'm looking at. And I had to tell her, I said, uh, honey, this week the Google searches are going to be a little weird because I'm preaching on adultery. So just know I'm researching what to preach, not how to do it, okay? And so I dug in, and here's some of the things I found. According to the Journal of Marriage and Family Therapy, as of last year in the United States, 41% of married individuals admit, admit to the biblical definition of adultery. Uh, adultery. Oh, I can't get it out. 41%. Um, how many of you remember the Ashley Madison scandal that happened a ways back? Yeah, you remember that? It was So Ashley Madison's a website. Here was their tagline. It's basically a dating site for married people. Ashley Madison's tagline, before everything went to heck when it got hacked and they released all the names on there and all that kind of stuff, had 20 million subscribers paid subscribers. And their tagline was, life is short, have an affair. 20 million. One prominent porn site, I don't know which one it is, and I wouldn't tell you if I knew, 
one prominent porn site has more traffic in a month than Netflix, Twitter, and Amazon combined. Combined. 64% of American teenagers seek out pornography online at least once a week. 64%. Pornography, even with the internet, is now a $100 billion business. That's more than any sports franchise you can find. The top searches on porn websites, the number one search, and this is coming from a, a website called uh, Stop the New Addiction. Top search is teen. That's creepy. 200,000 people in America today classify themselves as porn addicts. One-third of all viewers of online pornography are women. The average woman who looks at pornography is a teenager. According to the National Coalition for the Protection of Children and Families in 2010, so this is dated, 47% of families in the United States reported that pornography is a problem in their home. 47%. Pornography has been shown through studies to increase marital infidelity by more than 300%. 40% of people identified as porn addicts lose their spouse. 58% suffer financial loss. 33% lose their jobs. This one, I couldn't believe. 68% of divorce cases in one year involved, 68% of divorce cases involved one spouse hooking up with somebody else online. 68%. Okay, that's the culture we live in. That's where we're at. But here's the deal. You know, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. There's some truth to that. If you lived at the time Jesus lived and you walked through some of the cities in the ancient Near East, if you walked through Greece or Rome or whatever, what you would have seen would have shocked you. First of all, prostitution was not only legal but encouraged by the government. And when Paul is like in the marketplace selling like his leather goods, trying to get enough money to go to another town and plant another church, prostitutes would walk around naked through the marketplace. I mean, that, that, so this is nothing new. And, okay, so the case is bad. There's a lot of temptation out there. And here's the deal. All men and all women at some point, if not continuously, struggle with lust. I have had people tell me they, do, they have never struggled with lust, and the first thing I thought was, well, you're a liar. Because it's just it's the way it is. I had, when I was in seminary, I had a professor. Uh, we called him Grandpa Willis because he was, he was elderly, brilliant, but elderly. And he sat in a small group with about five or six seminary students. We were all men, and he said, Guys, I'm pushing 80, and I still struggle with lust. And I remember sitting there thinking, okay, 
I didn't need to hear that for a couple reasons. But it's, it's there. All men and women struggle with lust. And so here was my question when I came to faith. Why would God design individuals to want to have sex and then tell them not to think about it until they get married and then only think about the person that they're married to? Why would God do that? Okay, here's the deal. According to the Bible, God didn't do that. That's not from God. So we go back to the very first marriage in Genesis 2. Then we get to Genesis 3. And when we get to Genesis 3, we see the first sin. And sin enters the world. And when sin enters the world, it infects. It's literally in our DNA. We are all born sinners. And what happens when we sin and as I said, this is not from God. The book of James makes this very clear. James 1.13 says, no temptation comes from God. It comes from within. So what sin does is it takes our natural desires and it twists them till they're out of control. So we are giving a, given a natural desire to have sex, but God wants us to do that within marriage. God is not anti-sex. God is anti-sex outside of marriage. There, there is a stigma here. I don't understand. You know, growing up within um, churchianity, which is what I call kind of, you know, the, the kind of um, culture that kind of infests the church, and, and it's not necessarily biblical, but there are all these kind of myths and stuff that pop up. Like, for example, we treat sexual sins like they're unforgivable when they're not. It, it's weird. But within churchianity, we have this thing where it's basically like this. Here's what we basically tell our kids without saying it. Sex is dirty. Sex is gross. Save it for the one you love. Does that make any sense? That's just weird. The Bible is very clear. God tells Adam and Eve after he performs the ceremony and he, he marries them, he says, go and multiply. How do you think that was going to happen? I, I tell people all the time, I know it's hard. You struggle with lust. You get become a teenager and your hormones ramp up and all this other kind of stuff. I get it. But what we need to tell our kids is sex is from God. It's a good thing. So, if you're single, find yourself a Christian that you're attracted to, get married, and have all the sex you want. Go for it. I've said before, knock yourselves out. Not literally, because the kids could find you, that would be weird. But other than that, go for it. So we have to keep that in mind that sex is a gift from God, but it's a spiritual discipline. And we have to teach people to be disciplined so that when they go into that, they understand, okay, when I get married, this is, this is going to happen, and it's a good thing. And it is. And I tell people all the time, when I, when I do premarital counseling with people, I say, hey, look, 
Here's a couple things you need to keep in mind, and you need to keep this in mind too, whether you're single, married, whatever. Number one, try to be attractive to your spouse. Do the best you can. Now, genes play a part in that. Age plays a part in that. It it just happens. But there's no excuse. Like, guys, guys, women, you can just think about something else for a second. Guys, showers help. Deodorant is a good thing. Brushing your teeth, mouthwash, gifts from God, trust me. And take care of yourself. Take care of yourselves. Ladies, you send a mixed message. This is just for the ladies now. Men, you go think about how the Browns are going to stink this year. Um, Just, ladies, you send mixed messages when you get all dolled up to go out, but not for your husband. If you're, like, so concerned about what you look like at work, and then you get home, and all of a sudden it's like, don't, don't do that. The Bible says that in marriage, you two have become one. You are, you are one. You are, and so you need, I'm telling you, if you're a Christian, there, it is God, your spouse, then your children, then your children, your spouse, comes second only to God. You've got to do that. And where we're going spiritually with this is this. Your spouse, whatever he or she looks like at that time, that should be your definition of beauty. That's it. That is it. Because, here's the deal, and I especially tell this to young people, even though studies show you are more likely to stay married and stay faithful if you get married younger rather than older, given the fact that we're sinful and we struggle with lust, if you're waiting till you're 30 or 40 to get married, (laughs) good luck. But when I tell young people, if I'm marrying somebody who's like 20, 21, 22, I tell them this. You need to understand this, and this is very, very important. Okay, the number one reason you're with each other is because you think each other are hot. That will change. Gravity alone will change that. Age and gravity are not your friends. You will gray, you will sag. I have had... This issue, you know, I say to take care of yourself, but I understand I've gained weight over the last year because I've had, I've had five major injuries in the last year. Five. I tore my MCL. I bruised my right rotator cuff three times. I don't know how. Once when I was asleep, how do you do that? Getting old. <laughs> I almost tore an ab muscle. I've had just thing happen after happen after happen, but I've just, I, I've said, okay, I, I got to get, no matter what, I got to try something else, whatever. I just got to, I got to get in shape. It, but it's hard. I'm 47. When I was 27, 
I could lose like a pound a minute. Now if I lose a pound a week, it's a celebration. When I was young, I could eat nothing but crap and not gain a pound. Now I drive by Burger King, my butt shimmies for a week. So you need to know, if you're young and you're going to get married or you're young and unmarried, your spouse is going to change. You are both going to change. And so the only thing, you cannot rely on being hot for each other to keep you married. You know what keeps you married? Being each other's best friend. You need to be your spouse's best friend in the world. And that leads me to this. I wasn't going to talk about this. It was actually Megan who told me I need to bring this up. I said, okay. I was barely aware of the term emotional affair. I, I didn't know what that was. But here's how she broke it down, and I looked it up, and she was right. An emotional affair is what happens when a spouse has someone of the opposite sex that's a closer friend than their spouse. If you have somebody of the opposite sex that you tell, let's say you, you, you learn something, you get some exciting news, whatever, if your spouse is not the first person you tell, you're wrong. If you just get a promotion at work, the first person that needs to learn that is not Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg. It should be your spouse. They always come first. Struggling with something, you talk to them first. Them first. And you talk. You don't argue. You talk. If your spouse comes to you and says, I'm struggling with this, you need to listen and help. And this is even true if your spouse comes to you and says, I have a problem with pornography, I have a problem with lust. The first thing out of your mouth, I know it's not what you want to come out. What you want to do is hit them. Or kick or whatever. The first thing out of your mouth should be, let's pray about this. Let's get this under control. Because you need to show your spouse, your best friend, grace. Because there are going to be times where you need it too. I'm not saying there are times when I have told people that unfortunately they should get a divorce. Those have been few and far between. I'm talking about physical abuse. I'm talking about just serial infidelity. I had one wife come in and talk to me, and she said she was sick and tired of getting STD tests because of her husband. I talked to the husband. He basically said, I don't care. I said, okay, this thing's over. I'm sorry, but this thing's over. So there are times for that, but that's the extreme case. Typically, show each other grace. Do you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to go all preacher on you for a second. Do you know how arrogant it is for you 
to refuse to forgive somebody when God died on a cross to forgive you? God shed blood for you to be forgiven, and you're just going to hold on to a grudge? Because you married somebody that is human and is a sinner like you? And for those of you who are single and want to get married one day, let me just clue you in. Spoiler alert, they're going to be flawed. They're going to have problems. You're not going to marry Jesus. So that is going to be an issue. They are going to be jacked up. I'm 47. I'm still learning. Like, here's something, guys. If your wife is getting her hair done or nails done, put it on your phone to give you a tickler to remind you that you need to comment on it the first time you see her. Because I haven't done that, and I was in trouble. She gets her hair done. Look, I don't care if she comes walking in like Mr. T from Rocky Three. You say, that looks amazing. You have to do that. You just do. Be each other's best friends. You want to guard your marriage. You have to be each other's best friends. There will come a day when both of you will be gray and wrinkled and you'll want each other there. I remember when I was a kid growing up here at church, even though at the time I was a rebellious little snot and I was only about a year away from running away from home, I remember that dad brought in a guy who was in his 80s, and he talked to all of us teenage guys. And we were talking about lust and sex and all that kind of stuff. And, and the guy came in and he said, you know, at my age, ain't much happening at night. He said, at my age, the biggest thrill I get is holding my wife's hand at night and giving her a squeeze before I fall asleep. That's about it. That day is going to come for all of us, Lord willing. And I'm telling you, I looked at that guy, and as a 14-year-old, just full of hormones and girl crazy, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, that's hell. Now at 47, I'm going, yeah, it's not so bad. And I looked in his eyes. That guy was perfectly happy and content. How do you get there? Number one, you got to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. He made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we could become in him the righteousness of God. You've got to know the gospel. You have to understand. You have to know the gospel, and you need to understand this. You need to make sure that you apply the gospel to your spouse as well. That's going back to that whole grace thing. Jesus died for everyone, and it's up to you to accept it or not. And that needs to be at the center 
of your being. You need to preach the gospel to yourself more than anyone else. When you look yourself in the mirror, you need to understand you are a sinful human being. You have committed treason against your God. You deserve hell, but by the grace of God, he sent his son to die on the cross so that if you have faith in him, you are saved from that, and you need to remember that every single day. That needs to be at the center of your entire being. Life is not about what you want to do. Life is not about you at all. It is all about Jesus Christ, and you've got to put that at the center of your being, or you're not getting anywhere. That's one. Two, you need to pray to God openly and honestly. If you're lusting all the time, you're looking at pornography all the time, you don't think God sees that? You think that you can fool God and you can go to the creator and sustainer of the universe who sees all and knows all and go, Lord, sometimes I see things I shouldn't see. And he's up there going, yeah, I know your browser history, buddy. Sometimes I don't think so. You're not fooling God. So why do you pray to him like he's an old man who's never heard a cuss word before? You go to God and you be honest. You just go and say, God, I have exposed myself to absolute filth. And you know it and I know it. Help me, please. And I've known men who have come to me and said, I prayed to God and I wasn't healed. I was like, dude... Or they come to me and they want some little like bumper sticker slogan that's going to fix everything. It's like, guys, I, I'm a minister, not a wizard. This is going to be tough. And sometimes the answer that God gives you to prayer is this. Get accountability. I have software on my computer and my phone that sends every single web address I go to to my wife. You don't think that makes a difference? She sees everything. My phone, my laptop, everything goes in an email to my wife. Get accountability. If that's what you have to do, do it. If that doesn't work, guys, let me tell you something. Your marriage, your relationship to God especially is worth this. If you have to get offline, if you have to toss your cell phone, if you have to toss your laptop, do it. I grew up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We survived. Do whatever you have to do. Get accountability. You need to understand that adultery was taken so seriously in the Old Testament, it carried the death penalty. God took it that seriously. Now, in the New Testament, the New Covenant, it carries the risk of divorce. And you don't want that. Many of you, myself included, have been through it. It's hell on earth. You don't want it. 
It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt your kids. It's going to hurt your family. It's going to hurt everyone around you. You are not an island. You have to put God at the center of your life and then let the Holy Spirit do its thing. You have to. You have to. And you have to make a pact with your spouse that God comes first, they come second, and that no matter what happens, you will talk it out, not shout it out. You will talk it out. Are you grown-ups or not? I understand a five-year-old screaming. I don't understand a 45-year-old screaming. There's no reason for it. I've preached on this before when I talked about anger. The only excuse for shouting as an adult is to warn someone of impending danger. Get out of the way. That's it. Otherwise, no excuse for shouting at all. You're be all grodied up. Talk like adults. And if you've screwed up, admit it. You're not fooling anybody. If you've got pornography on your computer and your wife catches you with it, if you're going to try to blame gremlins or a ghost or whatever, you ain't getting anywhere. And ladies, if you catch him with that, you're not getting anywhere by yelling at him, hitting him, all that kind of stuff, threatening to do this, threatening to do that. You're not helping him at all. God said when he created Eve, he said, this will be your partner. Partners help each other. See, I know that this is difficult to understand. And typically, I'm not trying to be sexist, and I'm not trying to be stereotypical. But in my experience over the last 20-odd years of doing this, typically it is women who struggle with this more than men. Women believe that if a man loves her, he will only have eyes for her. Nope. It's never happened. We push that myth in pop culture of the one. You meet the one and everything is fine. There is more validity to Bigfoot riding a great white shark in the Ohio River hunting unicorns than there is to that. All men, because they are sinners and by their sin nature, lust. They struggle with it. You need to know that. You need to help him with that. And part of that, going back to what I said before, means taking care of yourself. Yes, if he's spiritually mature, no matter where you're at, what you look like, you should be his object of desire. I get that. That's the way it should work. It doesn't. You need to take care of yourself. As I said, don't just make up for work, make up for your your husband. Ladies, as I said, I told the men, shower, ladies, shave. Shave regularly. No man 
on the face of the planet wants to have your leg go over him at night and feel like he crawled in bed with a 16-year-old boy. That's gross. <laughs> Just shave it. I've had women tell me, well, it hurts. It's worth it. Just do it. Take care of yourselves. Place God first, your spouse second, children third. And again, I've seen this too often where parents put it's children, God, spouse. I especially saw this when my kid played Little League. You know, it's not, it's not just a woman thing. I have seen men who are just somehow convinced that their 8-year-old is going to be drafted by the Reds tomorrow. And they're going nuclear at the park. And I'm like, knock it off. God, your spouse, then your kids. And if that means, and I've had this happen, I've had somebody come into me and say, I'm really struggling with depression. I'm really struggling with anxiety. I said, have you talked to your wife? And the guy said, no, no, she's too busy with the kids. Guys, ladies, if your spouse is struggling with something, tell the kids to go watch TV. And you focus on them. And you pray for them. And I don't care. Well, but well, at such and such, they need to go to Little League practice. They can miss it. Well, I'm supposed to go to the movies with such a... You can miss it. You need to show your kids that your spouse comes first. You need to model that for them or you will expect the same from them. Your children need to see, if you're a man, your children need to know that your wife is second only to God. They can wait. Are you with me? I know this is tough. I know this is difficult. And I absolutely know that given the statistics, that there are all kinds of men and even some women here struggling with pornography. I know, given the statistics, that there are men and women here having sex outside of marriage. I know it. I get it. There are people here, couples at this church, who are having serious trouble. I can't tell you who they are. I wouldn't tell you who they are. God knows. Pray for them anyway. Satan lives to destroy what is precious to God. He will go after your faith first. He will go after your marriage second. Because he gets it. Do you?
if I have to choose between my son, who I would throw myself in front of a train for, I love that kid to death. And despite everything he has been through, he is a godly kid. I uh, thank heavens for that. But he knows Megan comes first. That is my wife. It's God in my life, God, and then Megan. Especially because she's going to be my sugar mama. <laughs> I'm all for it. Have we got it? Are we good? It's easier said than done, I know. Let me pray for you and we'll get out of here. Father God, we thank you for the gift of marriage and everything that comes with it. That sex is something you have given for spouses, that it's a blessing, it's a gift. Children are a blessing and a gift, but as you have clearly stated, when a man and a woman come together in the covenant of marriage, it comes only second to worshiping you. We've got to keep this in mind in order to keep our marriages together. You went so far, Lord, as to say that marriage is actually an example of Jesus and the church to the world. It's that important. So help us to protect it, to fight for it, to fight against all of the sinfulness that is within us and all the temptations that lie all around us, to do whatever we have to do to be your servants. In Jesus' name. We pray. Whew. All right. Thank you, guys. God bless you. I will see you next weekend, hopefully without any power issues or anything else. See ya. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.